Right. Uh, so, let's stop talking. It's okay, I'll wait. Uh, this is the passage that we'll be reading. It's Matthew 6, was 1 to 18. Before, yeah, before Tom comes up, yeah, uh, that should be fun. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, right, let's start. Uh, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need, to, what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And leave us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Because if you for not if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, we are going to hand over to Tom, our first <laughs> Thanks guys, that was great reading. <laughs> and hello everyone. Special hello to the kids who are in with us today. Very exciting. Um, if you guys don't know me, I'm Tom, how do you say it again? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, unlike past youth takeovers, we are going to be sticking with the preaching series that we're doing right now, and that is Countercultural Jesus, and specifically we're looking at Jesus on religion, and that's all about outward expression. In the passage, Jesus talks about the three pillars of righteousness in Judaism, which are giving to the needy, prayer, and fasting. I'm going to be going through giving, then Peter will discuss, will discuss prayer, and Ben will finish with fasting. So, let's go. <laughs> Religions are good, aren't they? I mean, in essence, a religion is mankind's attempt to gain a right standing with God, be it through doing certain things and not doing others. In Islam, for example, they believe that you have two angels, one on each shoulder, each with a book, and they are keeping count of every good and bad thing that you do. And on Judgment Day, they will be weighed, 
And if you have a heavy or bad book, which would be absolutely everyone, you go to Jahannam, which is what they call hell. And if you have a heavy or good book, you would go to Jannah or heaven. But what Jesus wants is a relationship with us. He doesn't want slaves. He wants children. I know that the kids in the room will likely disagree with that. that I mean, say they're one and the same, but um, that's not quite the point I'm making. <laughs> the example Jesus uses for giving is not to announce it with trumpets. After doing some digging, I discovered that the receptacles at the synagogues would have been trumpet-shaped. So what Jesus could be saying is when you give into these receptacles, do it quietly so that other people can't hear it. And that would also mean that when the Pharisees were giving, they would absolutely just chuck the coins into these, these receptacles so that everyone around could hear. He also says that we need to be so secretive that our left hand doesn't know what our right hand is doing. Can you imagine trying to pull that off? Oi, Tom, what's left, what, what's right he's doing over there? Nothing of your concern, lefty. Oh, so you don't mind if I went and found out? No, 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 no. Oh. Great, Lefty, now we're not going to get any heavenly reward. <laughs> Surely he doesn't mean that. <laughs> Interestingly, in the chapter before, Jesus let, says, let your righteousness be seen, or be a light. So he can't mean don't, you shouldn't be righteousness, or that people shouldn't see it. The point he's making is that our righteousness should bring glory to God, not ourselves, for an audience of one. Don't live for the rewards man can give, where moth and rust destroy, but set aside treasures in heaven. Also, I think people take this bit quite literally, and it does stop discussions about giving. But Jesus said this about prayer and fasting, and people pray out loud, and we, we know quite often when someone's fasting. And yet, the, our talk about giving is very important, and it definitely shouldn't be bringing glory to ourselves, but it does need to happen. As young people, we definitely need to hear and see examples of good giving so that we can also, as a generation, invest in the kingdom of heaven. In each segment of the passage, Jesus calls the Pharisees hypocrites, which in the Greek of the time means play actor. And I think this encapsulates really well everything Jesus is saying and accusing them of. And it does make quite clear what he's saying we shouldn't be doing, which is to act without a heart for God. Jesus says that these play actors have already received their award. That's odd, isn't it? Jesus is saying they've already received their award in full. And this, was, this reward they've received is of what? Earth. This little ball of rock floating in em relatively empty space. They, they sought reward from that rather than the massive galaxy-breathing creator of man, woman, and everything you see around you. They saw that and went, no, I want a reward from Earth. That, yeah. It's one of those things where you think, are you okay? And we do that a little bit as well. We often seek praise and reward from other people who sin and fall short instead of our God in heaven, whose opinion of us is the only one that really matters. Rewards in heaven is a theme which needs so much unpacking, but, so I'm not going to go into it, really, but it is fair to say that there are rewards in heaven. God wants to reward us for how we steward what we've been given on earth. One of the greatest rewards may be to meet people who we didn't even know on earth, and who we didn't realize we had an impact on. 
But maybe through giving, you have an eternal impact on someone. Later on in this chapter, Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven rather than here on earth. We're all going to lose any treasure that we've invested in this earth. In fact, our proximity to treasure on earth is slowly getting further and further away from us because we won't be able to take any with us. Yet any treasure we lay in heaven is what we are moving towards. God doesn't say, don't store up treasure. He's just really clear and pretty clever about where it's best to store it. He also talks about secrecy, which is similar, and it's living your life in the light of eternity, showing God to others humbly and with great dignity. And if you're going to take anything from what I've said today, let it be this. Live your life for an audience of one. Not just anyone, the one. The one person who actually cares and can do something about it. The more in your audience, the less God sees himself in your life. So what are we going to do with this? Are we going to ignore it, listen to it but not act, or are we going to go out and perform righteousness for the audience of one? What, what is the issue? What the issue with the Pharisees was, was that they turned giving, something that if done correctly, builds your relationship with God into self-praise. All they knew was religion, and religion is outward expression without inner transformation. That's not how a relationship works, is it? I mean, I wouldn't really know, um, but what I've heard from my parents, who, what I, who I see as the ultimate relationship in my life, other than Jesus and his church, a relationship is based on love. We only do anything for God and for others because he first loved us and gave some, himself for us. That is grace. He brought us into a relationship, and these things we do only help to deepen that relationship. But these guys were using it to announce themselves and not God. They were announcing how amazing they are rather than how awesome God is. What Jesus isn't saying, definitely isn't saying, is never give anything to anyone who needs it if others can see. Jesus says be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others. If we didn't give anything to anyone who needs it if others can see, then we'd never be able to do what Jesus commands which is to preach the gospel to all the nations. You can't be secret about that. The issue Jesus has is pride that can come with that. Can you imagine if we were all less worried about what others thought of us and rather lived in the light of eternity? Looking ahead to the day when Jesus says, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world, for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Thanks, guys. Over to Peter. There's a lot of you, my gosh. Hi church, my name is Peter. If you have not met me, you have definitely heard me. <laughs> I'm the one usually, you're usually having the undeclared shouting competitions with Bernie. <laughs> I'll be honest with everyone, I'm super nervous. And people always say to picture everyone naked when you're nervous. 
No offense, but I do not want to do that. <laughs> Enough of that, let's get started. <laughs> I'm going to talk about prayer, just like in Tom's verse, it starts with when you do good, implying that you must do good. At the start of my verse, it starts with when you pray, implying that we must pray and that it is expected of us. I've always struggled to pray, and people would make comments of, oh, it seems like someone has forgotten how to pray, or I was concerned people would show me pity for stumbling on what I'm saying or trying to say. These comments would really get to me because I thought I was doing something wrong and I felt like I was not a good Christian. I realized I was caring too much of what others thought of me and not enough of what God thought of me. Well, I'm here to remind us of what God's word says in verses 7 to 9. It says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do, be, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. I think we all feel like we have to be religious by showing off how we pray and what we say. <laughs> that rhymes. <laughs> the thing is that religion is about outward expression without inward transformation. The truth is God wants to know what is on our hearts, no matter what it looks like or sounds like. Even if it comes out all jumbled, not even making sense. Because you know what? It makes sense to him. For example... A prayer that has been rehearsed or polished may sound good to you and others, but it may not be genuinely and wholeheartedly prayed. God wants to ask you, well, what are you ultimately praying to? Who are you doing this for? Is your motive to be seen by God or seen by man? The question is, who will love you unconditionally? Let me tell you, it's not mankind. It's the God above. God's intention for prayer is so much more fulfilling and so much more purposeful than anything we could ever imagine. In the Lord's Prayer, yeah, it is more than just you talking about yourself. It's thanking God for our daily bread and forgiving others. I think sometimes in life we can get so caught up in our own lives and what is involving ourselves that we forget to think about others and thank God for the blessings he gives us. For example, instead of praying for only yourself, why not pray for a country or someone in your class or office space who seems to be struggling? I googled the word prayer, and it says, a solemn request for help or expression of thanks addressed to God. Two points that really stand out to me is a request for help and thankfulness to God. You see, it doesn't say use God as a genie in a bottle, rub the side, and poof, he appears. God is always with you, and you, and you, and you, and me. God is saying that he doesn't want us to only talk to him when we're upset, because, oh my gosh, nothing is going my way, or scared because you heard a weird noise while you were sleeping. <laughs> or you want something like, hey Lord, I really like this guy. <laughs> He's telling us to thank him for the blessings he gives us every day. It says in Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 19, to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Wow, giving thanks in all circumstances, that really contradicts many views. God is saying here that even when nothing is going my way, or you're dancing on the ceiling, he wants you to be grateful. Counterculturally, God does not want us to put on a show for him or look good for him like the pagans do. 
We see this in King, 1 Kings verse 18, the story of Elijah and the bulls. This is where the Baal prophets challenges the God of Israel by praying to them, and whichever God answers in fire is the true God. Elijah tells them to gather and, say, and says that he is the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Baals go first. They cut up their bull, place on the wood, and they start praying to their gods. And dancing and worshipping around an altar, they may, while cutting themselves for blood to run, to awaken their gods, but nothing happens. However, when it is Elijah's turn, he tells them to throw three lots of water on the sacrifice. Then he prays, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God of Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. He then asked God to answer him. And then the fire of the Lord fell and burnt up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. All the people at once knew the true God is. The one who didn't need many words or huge speeches to hear. He's the one who is everywhere and does not need to be summoned. If you couldn't hear from my accent, I'm South African. <laughs> and basically, all we do besides being loud, watching rugby, uh, although they've been really rubbish lately, um, is brying. And if you don't know what that is, it's like a barbecue, but much better. Um, <laughs> And ever since we moved here, let me tell you, we now drive very differently. No matter the weather, storm, rain or shine, the weeb is out. My dad over there, um, he has now converted to using a raincoat, an umbrella, and of course the beer in his hand, that doesn't go anywhere. Basically his natural habitat. And everyone knows, once the coal or wood is wet, you can't use it. Okay, so I even know this, and my job is just eating the food that dad cooks, so... So trying to light this would be a battle you can't win, right? Wrong. Elijah had faith and knew that God would not let him down and God would answer his prayers. He knows what is in your heart. He knew you before you were made. He knows what you're thinking about of every breath you take. He knows how many hairs are on your head, just like he knows all the names of the stars in the sky. And honestly, he, know, he loves you no matter what. No amount of mistakes or sins will scare God away. So if God knows you and loves you and accepts you because of Jesus, then why not come to him with your heart? He's not interested in fake long prayers or big shows of power that call fire down from heaven. Instead, he's after the prayers from your heart, small, jumbled, and genuine. Thank you for listening. I'll now hand over to Ben. Hello, I'm Ben. <laughs> so, I drew the short straw, and as a result, I got fasting. <laughs> now, in modern day church, this isn't done as much, but in Jesus' time, it was a very common practice. But Jesus' main point is still the same as he gives with the warning. Um, is he gives on giving and praying that was covered by Peter and Tom. Who are you doing it for? Jesus warns people that when we fast, we must not disfigure our faces or mope around, but to instead clean ourselves and make it a secret to others that we are fasting. He calls them hypocrites because they're trying to make themselves look more holy than they are. 
Who are they doing it for? When it's obvious that they are the religious ones, they get positive praise, more followers, self-esteem, full of self-pride, and feeling more important than others. They do it because it makes them feel good. What do you do that makes you feel good? Do you feel more important when you tell someone you don't take part in Halloween? Do you think you're better than your friend when you tell them that you go to church on Sunday? Do you feel more holy when you manage to read your Bible every day of the week? (laughs) Or about when you know all the words to a song at church? Or how about when you turn to church on time? Unlike my parents. (laughs) Or when you wear a Christian jumper. (laughs) None of these things are wrong. Giving to the needy, praying, and fasting isn't wrong either. They're actually really good things. Jesus is telling us to do them, but who are you doing it for? Jesus warns that when you've got your feel good from others, then that's it. You've had your reward. When you've done it for them and had your praise from them, then that's it. You've had your reward. And did it really make you feel that good? Did it last for that long? God wants to give us so much more. All the way through the passage, it repeats the phrase, then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Who are you doing it for? Think me more widely than just fasting. If Jesus was here now, what might he challenge about our church practice? Lots of great things happen in praise of God and to serve him, but we always need to keep looking at our hearts. Who are we doing it for? So in church... Waving our hands, dancing, welcoming others, being on the sound deck. Who are we doing it for? Being on the stage now, where is my heart? Am I looking to bring glory to God or praise from others? If the band could kind of come up, that would be great. (laughs) Our Father sees our hearts and he cares about our heart's desires. It's easy for us to change our behavior and put on a show, but God wants our hearts to change. He knows that only a change in heart will bring a true reward. Well, what is a heart change? A heart that wants to love God more, serve him better, and trust him more. That is where Jesus knows we'll find our true reward. That is what we are made for. We can't do this on our own, but we can ask the Holy Spirit to change us. When the Spirit comes into our hearts, he breaks us free from wanting to please other people. He changes our hearts to want to please God. That is where he promises us that we will find our true joy and peace and freedom. That's the best reward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you see our hearts. Thank you that you see our motives. Thank you that you are a God who loves us and is so generous to want to give us good things. Sorry, God, when we're not satisfied in you, but instead try and seek our feel-good from other things. Please would you help us to change, to trust you more, and to take in what we've learnt today. We need your spirit, God, to change us, to free us from the lie that we can make ourselves more holy. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to change. Amen.